Would you stand this morning for the reading of the scripture? It's so important we honor God's word, amen? I'm humbled to take the pulpit this morning. My best friend in the world always gives me opportunities, and I honor my pastor this morning. If you've noticed, he's gotten kind of a little bit emotional in his older age. He used to get on to me all the time about, you're just a crybaby and just <laughs> cries a lot more. Like, I'm becoming more like him a little bit, and he's coming more like me a little bit. It's really weird. <clears throat> but I'm still not going to wear khakis. <laughs> yeah, those are coming. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Key word there, Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Father, just humbled. We thank you for your word. Lord, speak to us, God. We just love you. And thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The American calendar has about 10 holidays that we really focus on. Last week, obviously, was a big one when we honor our military, when we honor our fallen veterans. Uh, so important. Uh, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, Christmas, Easter, important holidays. You know, as well as I do, there's a bunch of holidays in the American calendar that we really don't need, but that we still celebrate it. Uh, we still spend billions of dollars on it. <clears throat> and then there's a worldly calendar, and then there's God's calendar. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, which I highly recommend reading the Old Testament, the Old Testament will open up things to you that will just will be as living as the New Testament. It really will. Obviously, you see Jesus in the Old Testament, but there, there's seven festivals, seven feasts, holidays to the Jews that it speaks of in the Old Testament. It's very exciting. If you've never studied these, these I highly suggest that you study them. A great resource um, that I've picked on is Dr. George O. Wood. Um, he's the superintendent of the Sons of God. The Significance of Pentecost. You can go to the AG website and, and get it. But uh, he lays them out, and it's unbelievable, uh, the life that is in these uh, Jewish holidays, not only for the Jew, but for the Gentile. Um, and, 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 you know, four of them have been fulfilled through Jesus Christ, according to uh, not only the Gentiles, but the Jews as well, but three of them have not. And, of course, I speak of Passover, which we're very familiar with. And the second one is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The third one is the, the Feast of the First Fruits. And the fourth one, which we're going to talk about and celebrate today, is the Feast of Pentecost. And then, of course, you have the last three, which fell in the fall, which hadn't been thoroughly completed yet, according to the Messianic level of the Jewish people or the Gentiles. And that is the Feast of Trumpets. <clears throat> and then you have the Feast of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. Don't look over those and just think, man, that's just a bunch of history, blah, blah. There's so much life in that. Um, there's so much fulfillment in that. Um, there's so much um, life, especially in the first four, because the first four we should be celebrating every day. Amen? The Passover, we know what the Passover represents, the blood on the doorpost. We know that through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, crucified, that we have life today. Amen? And we should celebrate that every day. Not just on Passover. We should celebrate that every day. The second one, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Aren't you thankful that your sins are forgiven? How many of you are just thankful that you can come to this altar or just sit at that seat and say, God, forgive me for what I've done? 
We celebrate that every day, man. And the third one, the Feast of the First Fruits, I'm so thankful for the resurrection. I'm thankful for that Jesus defeated death and that he was the, the, the one and only offering that was really needed to give, amen? And I'm definitely thankful for Pentecost and what that means, the birth of the church, amen? The birth of the church. Think about that. Today, when you woke up, it wasn't Easter, it wasn't Christmas, you know, it wasn't these holidays. When we wake up, it's on our mind. We've got lunch planned. We've got the, 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 the meal planned out, the day planned out. We go off of that holiday, but sometimes... In the church, we kind of swing by these God-ordained holidays, and I think we should just celebrate them just as much as we celebrate any other holiday, especially Pentecost Sunday. You're talking about the birth of the church. You're talking about the time when God poured out his spirit upon people and said, go, go reach other people so they can serve me. Go and reach other people so they can give their life for me. I would say that should be an important holiday, amen? Not only for the church, but also for the Pentecostal church. We are Pentecostal. Pentecostal. I asked some of my teenagers this morning what it meant, and some of them kind of struggled with what that meant. It's important that we know who we are. Amen? Pentecostal, you might say, I might say well, what's Pentecostal mean to you? Well, that just means laying out on the floor and yelling, screaming, and shouting, and, and okay? But we need to be able to give an, a more accurate, detailed definition of what Pentecost is and what being Pentecostal means. That means we believe in what happened in Acts chapter 2. But not only do we believe it, because a lot of people just stop there and say, I believe it. But not only do we believe it, we believe that it's not only for the apostles then, but it's for us today. Amen. Amen? That we are to celebrate Pentecost perpetually, meaning every day. Every day I celebrate Pentecost. Every day I celebrate that. And yes, shouting and, 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 and speaking in tongues and, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit is a huge part of it. But there's so much more to it, amen? There's so much more to the Holy Spirit. So I want to go back. We read the New Testament Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, we know what happened there. I want to go back to Leviticus chapter 23. And I want us to look at the Old Testament. And I mentioned a little bit about it. But I want to look at the Old Testament meaning of this great holiday, this great festival. Leviticus chapter 23. so many things that are so relatable in the Old Testament, and then they come back and they're just as relatable or even more in the New Testament. And I love that about God's Word. The Old Testament is so prophetical of things that either have happened or they're currently happen or they're going to happen. I told my students this morning, that's what I love about the Word. It's not just a historical document. Yeah, there's a lot of history in it. There's also a lot of present time stuff that's happening right now in the Scripture. And then there's stuff that hasn't happened yet. Amen. As I spoke of the last three feasts, Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, I got a little bit of ring. I don't know if I need to, it's in my big head. Okay, it's, it's in my ear. Leviticus chapter 23. Look at verse 15. Pentecost, if you're familiar with the word, means 50th. You know, 50 days ago, uh, we celebrated Easter, um, and, and, we're, and we're thankful for that. But Pentecost happened 50 days after the Passover, and, and it means 50th. But also, it, in some terms, it's also considered the Feast of Weeks because it's seven weeks after the Passover. So if you ever hear the Feast of Weeks, it's the same thing as Pentecost. But in verse 15 of Leviticus chapter 23, it, speaking of the Sabbaths, it's speaking of the Jewish 
kind of manual of the, of the Passover and the unleavened bread and these festivals and what is supposed to take place and what is supposed to happen. And I want you to listen very carefully to this. And once again, don't let it be something, man, that just happened thousands of years. Listen to the things, the words that we say, the wording that we use and how it relates to the New Testament church. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath. And then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two tenths of an ephah of fine flour baked with yeast. You won't hear that a lot in the Old Testament. Baked with yeast. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament Pentecost, it speaks of an offering of, a, of bread with yeast in it. And that just doesn't line up with the Old Testament, but that represents us as the church. That represents us as the people. That represents us as sinners. It says, of fine flour baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. Present with this bread seven male lambs, each a year old and without defect, one young bull and two rams, they will be a burnt offering to the Lord, together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, an offering made by fire and aroma pleasing to the Lord. Then sacrifice one male goat for a sin offering and two lambs, each a year old, for a fellowship offering. The priest is to wave the two lambs before the Lord as a wave offering, together with the bread of the first fruits. They are a sacred offering to the Lord for the priest. On that same day, you are to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Catch that. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Now go to Deuteronomy chapter 16. It's important that I build this context because I just don't want to jump into the New Testament Pentecost because it's very important that we know the history of where this came from. Because I mean, you know, it's just a foreshadowing of what's to come. The Old Testament is a foreshadowing of what's to come in Christ Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 9. Count off seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. Okay, Pentecost in the Old Testament was an agricultural festival. Had to do with the harvest in the springtime. Verse 10. Then celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. Now catch this. We're talking about Pentecost today. You, your sons and daughters, your men servants, your maid servants, the Levites in your towns, the aliens. How many of you know you think well, that you're an alien? The aliens, the fatherless, and the widows living among you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and follow carefully these decrees. Even in the book of Deuteronomy, it's almost incomparable to what Joel prophesies that this Pentecost is for everybody. Even in the Jewish line, in two of the most Jewish books that you could possibly read in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you could pick up and reference that this Pentecost is going to be a big deal. Not only was it a big deal to the Jewish people, but obviously we know in Acts, as you go back to the book of Acts, that it was a big deal to the Gentiles as well. So, 
I wanted to build that up just for a moment and, and, and once again to just challenge everyone and myself that God's holidays are just as important as the worldly holidays. And today we should celebrate something so phenomenal where the church was born, something so phenomenal where Christ Jesus gave the apostles something that he told them he was going to give them. Amen? So I want to kind of transition, and then I'm going to have a hard time because, I, I, man, I want to talk about the seven feasts more, but let, let's look. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And to set up the scenario here, Jesus has died on the cross. He's walked the earth for 40 days. He showed Thomas his hands. He's the resurrected Christ. And the apostles have a lot of questions. They have a lot of questions that they want answered. And, and, and I would understand that if I was one of them or if you were one of them, we would be doing the same thing. But Jesus is getting ready to be taken up to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. And, and Jesus is going to sit down with them and he's going to tell them that he's about to give them something that is going to be so important in their lives to not just be a one-time deal, but to be used daily. Amen? And how many of you know it's very important? We talk about apostles and disciples. It's so important to know that when it's talking about disciples and apostles, it's talking about you. It's talking about me. So many times we read this and say, well, that was just for that certain number of people. No, those apostles and disciples represented us. It was a foreshadowing of us, Craig. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Leave it right there. So they're asking a question. They, they gathered around and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They were wanting to know details. They were wanting to know, is this going to be it? Is this going to be the revelation? Is this going to be when you're going to come back and make this earth perfect again? They were wanting to know the details. Verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. We can learn so much from that. We can stop right now and learn so much from that. We are no different than the apostles and disciples today. We want to know everything that's going to go on. We want to know the end times. We want to know when exactly the time Jesus is going to step foot in Jerusalem. We want to know all that. We buy the books. We buy the DVDs. We build this collection at our home of end time stuff. When Jesus himself told the apostles, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. We spend so much time on that stuff. And it's good to educate your stuff, and it's good to know that stuff. But when you sit around and you're worried about it, and you're thinking that somehow you're going to find a way to know, if you ever hear a preacher say he knows when something's going to happen when it comes to Jesus, you better turn your ears off. Because Jesus is very clear. He says, you're not going to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Next. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love Jesus' message. And, and here's the main message I want you to, to grab from this. And they'll put it on the screen. Confidence comes not from knowing the specifics, but rather from knowing the source. What fell on the day of Pentecost was the source. Everybody wants specifics. We all want specifics. But what I've seen in 13 or 14 years of ministry is a bunch of people, young and old, wanting to know specifics. And it's good to know specifics at times, but sometimes you can get so caught up in the specifics that you lose passion for the source that the specifics even come from. Does that make sense? 
There's people that are held back from the power that God wants to give them because they're so caught up in the specifics like the disciples and the apostles were. Jesus, are you going to come back? When's the exact day and time that you're going to come back and turn this earth and make it perfect and become the Messiah of all the land? Jesus says, don't worry about that. I'm going to send a power that's going to come upon you on the day of Pentecost, which is a great Jewish celebration, but I'm going to make a celebration for everybody that's going to cause you to be the church. That's going to cause you to not get so caught up in the details of the Holy Ghost, but it's going to cause you to know the source of the Holy Ghost. And the source of the Holy Ghost is so that you will be empowered and go get the lost. Thank you for that wonderful excitement, as Pastor Andre would say. Knowing the specifics about the future is not going to bring you peace. Not knowing the specifics of the future is not going to bring you peace. It's not going to bring you peace. Some evangelists stand up and say, Jesus is going to split the mountain and he's coming back December 31st of 2020. That's not going to bring you any peace. That's going to sell books. It's not going to bring you any peace. God said, I want you to focus on the source and what the source is and who he is and who he wants to be in your life and what he wants to do through your life. So today I'm going to do my best to stay on track. I told the people in the booth I'm going to try to stay on track. But today we're simply going to talk about three E's that we need to know the Holy Spirit. Three E's that we need. Okay, sounds like a typical kind of evangelist. Three E's, five, this, six of that. It's going to be powerful. Three E's we need to know the Holy Spirit. The first one, and I'm going to say I in this because I, it's just applicable to me as it is you, but I need an experience with the Holy Spirit. If we truly want to understand Pentecost, and we truly want to understand that it wasn't just a historical moment in time, that it was something that happened that was created for us, because we are the disciples, we are the apostles. But I need an experience with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say, wait. But wait. We don't like to do that. But wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. Oh, Jesus. My old age, I'm getting better with my patience. But sometimes when I'm talking to somebody and it's somebody that's just a one baptism, water baptism, we're good to go, live however the crap you want to live, everything's good now. I have a problem with that when I read this verse like this because this is two distinct baptisms. The Bible says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That means there's an experience there. A baptism is an action. If I take you in this booth and I dunk you, there's action there. There's an experience that is taking place. When Jesus said there's somebody else coming that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire, that means there's an action to be taking place in that moment. Amen? I'll never forget, I was 17 years old, I was in a church camp. And I was lifting my hands, I was taught to do, and I was praying. My youth pastor was Sam Martinez. Big, tall, Hispanic dude. Good looking guy. He was. Now he looks no different, but he's got white hair. But I was blessed to have him as a youth pastor, and, and all of a sudden that night I had an experience. I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost. It wasn't the day of Pentecost when it happened, but I experienced Pentecost in that moment. I began to speak with other tongues, and I, I began to feel empowered and emboldened. And watch what I said. I didn't just stop with speaking in tongues. I said I felt empowered. I felt emboldened to share my faith. 
But the problem with that is, is it only became an experience in that moment. We need an experience with the Holy Spirit, but an experience can only take you so far. An experience means that if it's just one-time experience, it happened, you know, a year ago and it's never going to happen again. That's not the way Jesus intended it to be. He wanted to experience it every day of our lives. Amen? In John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22, the Bible says, Jesus breathed on them. Can you imagine that? He breathed on them. Now, we know that that wasn't the moment that they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but that was the moment of regeneration in the disciples and apostles. But there was action there. There was an experience there. He breathed on them. We need an experience with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about the Holy Spirit, Jojo. It scares me. It makes me nervous, but I want to know more. You need to experience the Holy Spirit. How many of you are Pac-Man fans? Come on, old schoolers. Yeah, Connie's like, yeah, Pac-Man, man. The waka, 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 you know. So what does he do? He goes around and eats the little pellets. But then here comes the ghost, okay? If he runs into ghosts, what happens? He dies. But what happens when he gets a power pellet? All of a sudden, the ghosts become edible. And when he eats one of them, go. He could do whatever he wants. He's empowered in that moment. There's action. There's an experience there. He's just not hiding in the corner like some of us would play the game like that. You just hide in the corner to wait to die. No. How many of you were power pellet people? You were looking for the power pellets. You were looking for what was going to cause you to just destroy everything on the game. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit experience. When you experience the power of the Holy Spirit in a Pentecostal way, and you're not afraid of anything, there's an empowerment. There's an emboldenment there like that Pac-Man example, but we have to be careful because when we just leave it as an experiment or experience, once again, my experience was when I was 17 in an altar at a camp. You've heard the story thousands of times. I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but then from 17 years old until 25 years old, I never felt the empowerment. I never felt the emboldenment that I never experienced in my prayer language. I never prayed in tongues anymore. It was a one-time experience, but when I was 25, I had a revelation. I realized that when I say we need an experience of the Holy Spirit, it's not just a one-time thing. We need an everyday perpetual experience of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus did not pour out his Spirit upon them apostles for that moment. That moment was great. If you know what happened, Peter got up and was empowered. He said, listen, they ain't drunk. They're empowered with the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people got saved. It was a revival in Jerusalem that day. But it didn't stop there. Because when he told the apostles and the disciples, I'm going to pour out my spirit, the book of Joel says, the, pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons, your daughters, every, from this time forward. Amen? We need an experience, but we've got to be careful with just the one experience. I like this. I wrote this down. It says, the arrow of conviction must settle into the heart of every believer who is satisfied merely with the remembrance of an experience rather than the daily renewal that must characterize the spirit-filled life. I love hearing stories of back in the day. I love hearing stories of the, the Brush Harbor meetings. I love hearing stories about the sawdust floors and the shouting and screaming and running and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I love hearing that, and I will continue to sit down with people and listen to that. But I also challenge a lot of people that that can happen today that that should happen today, not only in the church, but in your life. 
don't just live off an experience. If I lived off of my little 17-year-old experience, man, nothing really would have came out of my life. But when I was 25, I realized that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit was to be perpetual. Pentecost came to be perpetual. How many of you know in the Old Testament Pentecost, Brother John, in the Old Testament Pentecost, it was an agricultural festival, meaning it was the springtime, meaning the crops were ready to go. They were ready to go. That means people got to eat. But they didn't just get to eat one day. They got to eat two days and three days and four days and five days and six days. Are you following me? Jesus intended when he poured out his spirit for us to eat every day in the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But be careful with just leaning upon one experience. God wants us to experience the Holy Ghost every single day. Amen? But that one first experience is important. But from 17 to 25, I remember when I was 25 years old, man, it just one day, it was just bam. It was like I, 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 never, I never stopped. And then from that day forward to this day, 40 years old, man, it's been an everyday just lifestyle. The second E that we need, we need an experience. But the second one, we need the explosiveness of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We need the explosiveness of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what do you mean? Now, does that go back to the front of the bulletin? No, I'm not talking about connecting firecrackers to you. I'm not talking about that. You need explosiveness of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Bible says, the Bible doesn't say you will receive power to be able to tell everybody every detail about everything that goes on in your church. The Bible says you will receive power to go be witnesses, to go tell people about Jesus. We live in a day and time where it's not just the teenagers anymore that are a little shy away from telling people about Jesus, but everybody is kind of just kind of just hit and miss. On Jesus called us to be witnesses every day of our life. We are to evangelize every day of our life. And the greatest form of evangelism is when you have the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. That's why Pentecost is a big deal. Amen. Go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Shane, I need your help, buddy. You're already up on the stage, but I need you to come back up here. Yeah, I'm going to duct tape him. I need you to hold that one in your right hand, that one in your left hand. Face the crowd. Come up here. All right, thank you. John chapter 15. Let's look at it. He didn't know he was doing this. I put him on the spot. Jesus speaking. Come on, we need the explosiveness of the Holy Spirit. Come on, everybody, everybody wants the explosiveness in the church. What about the explosiveness within you? What about the explosiveness with you? If you wait around for the church to explode, it's not gonna happen. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to get on you and to explode in your life, it's a different planet. It's a different place. John chapter 15, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We have to abide in the Father. All right, and no, I did not intend for this to happen. I'm not super spiritual. I, I literally went outside. This was the first thing I grabbed out of the pile of branches. Isn't that crazy? Impressive. That is impressive. I did not make that either. 
On the right represents someone who's connected to the vine, the, 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 the tree, the right tree, right? You're connected to the right source. On the left is somebody who's dead, who's not necessarily connected to the right source. They're disconnected. How many of you know when it comes springtime in a tree, a branch will all of a sudden explode? There'll be an explosion. We talk about it all the time. We talk about this year. It was like overnight, everything just bloomed. There was an explosion that took place. Well, right now, these two might look the same, but eventually there's going to be an explosion in one of these. And I dare say it's the one that's connected to Jesus Christ. I dare say it's the one that's connected to the, to the Father, the right tree. Amen? Now, this is what we do, though. Instead of relying on the explosiveness of the Holy Spirit, which we should do, right? This is what we do. We want to borrow and use other people's fruit. Right? Better hold it like this. We want to borrow Pastor Shane's fruit because he's baptized in the Holy Ghost, man. He remembers old, old meetings growing up. He remembers being thrown under a chair when he was, he was young and praying and seeking God and speaking in tongues. So I'm just going to borrow his and I'm just going to go off of his emotions and his feelings in the church house and how he leads worship. And I'm just going to, I'm going to have fruit, but I'm just going to borrow it a little bit. I don't want to put in the work or the effort to do anything else for myself. I'm going to wait on the church to have an explosion. I'm going to wait on the next great revivalist and the evangelist. I'm going to wait on Brother Andre next year because that's when God's going to pour out his spirit in this church. No, God's going to pour out his spirit in this church when the individual, when the individual will trust in the Holy Ghost, right? Amen. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I'm going to put the apple in there. That's a good apple, too. Those are the ones you usually eat at my house right there. Those are red delicious right there. You can have it after this is done. Actually, don't have it because this is the bad branch, okay? And that'll be a curse on your life, and I don't want any curses on your life. In Jesus' name. There's no explosion there. There's no explosion that's going to happen in this branch. There's going to be no explosion because there's no experience because they want to live off of other people's experiences. In the Old Testament day of Pentecost, those Jews did not rely on other people's experiences. They relied on what they sowed and what they reaped. Do you hear me, John? They relied on the work they put in and not the work somebody else pulled in. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because eventually what's going to happen here is there's going to be a bloom. There's going to be a blossom. There's going to be an explosion. But it's going to be because this branch put in the work and put in the effort and put in the time to seek the Holy Ghost and seek the Holy Spirit. See, we're reading too many self-help books. We're reading too many How Do I Get Baptized in the Holy Ghost books. We're watching too many How Do I Get Baptized in the Holy Ghost YouTube videos. And that makes us like this guy. Okay, this guy eventually, you know what's going to happen eventually to this banana and this orange and this apple? He's going to eat this apple. But these two are going to get old and they're going to get dried up. They're not going to be any good. There's going to be a remembrance of some fruit. But remember what I said about the dangers of remembrance. Just because you got baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1926. Are you still baptized in the Holy Ghost today? Do you still desire and hunger the Holy Ghost today? Amen. Does that make sense? Thank you. Everybody give Shane a big round of applause. You going to keep that? All right. He's keeping that. We need the explosiveness of the Holy Spirit. The explosiveness of the Holy Spirit. Number three, we need to have an expectation of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We need an experience. You need that initial experience, man, to know that you don't have to climb this hill or this wall. You're just a prime candidate as anybody else. Amen? If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe that he raised from the dead and he gives you life through the cross, then you're saved and you are ready for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're ready for Pentecost to be a mainline holiday in your life. 
need the experience. You need the explosiveness. Come on, we're Pentecostal. I'm so glad we have not. We, we talked about it over the years. I'm so glad we hadn't changed our church name to like Lake of the View, Assembly of God. Or Three Corners, Assembly of God. Or, you know, all these names, Impact, Assembly of God. I'm glad it just, just says First Assembly of God, and there's a fire right there on our emblem. Because that is who we are. We are Pentecostal. We believe that the day of Pentecost was not only for the Jews 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, and not only for the people 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, but it is for us today in Heber Springs, Arkansas. Yes. And I'm afraid that we've just gotten too timid as a Pentecostal church. And once again, I'm not talking about everybody just start running the aisles because that's going to cause us to be Pentecostal church. What causes us to be a Pentecostal church is for us as the individuals to realize the meaning of Pentecost. And that it's perpetual. It's not a history story. It's not something we say, well, it happened back then. No, it's happening today. The 30, I need to have an expectation of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. There's an expectation there. When you get together with somebody in one place, you're expecting something to happen. How many of you come to the house of the Lord in expectation of what's going to happen? I challenge you. I've said it for a long time. If you would come to the house of the Lord expecting and ready and prepared, because our pastor is expecting and ready and prepared, you come and that anointing matches his anointing, man. It will be like it used to around here. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Notice that the Bible says all of them. It wasn't six out of 120. It wasn't two out of 120. It wasn't four of the rich people and eight of the, of the tall people and three of the good-looking people. It wasn't six of the people that their grandfather created a church in the 1800s that broke out in revival in the 1900s. It, it, all of them, all of them, if you're breathing today, if you have breath in your lungs and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are just as much a candidate as anybody else in this building. And Pentecost should be a big deal to you. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Fire didn't just come down on the biggest, baddest dude. Fire fell down on all of them. On all of them, the Bible says. On all of them. I want that fire. I want that wind. Well, you're crazy. Well, you're this. No, I'm Pentecostal. That's what makes me different. That's what I love about Pastor Brown and how he speaks about doctrine. And he speaks about, because it's important for you to know who you are. Because when somebody who's lost or, or, or maybe goes to a different church and they come to you and go, man, well, you're Pentecostal. What does that mean? You should be able to tell them with energy and power and courage. This is why I'm Pentecostal. And it's more than just me doing a backflip off a stage. It's because I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to do mighty works and to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Amen. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And tongues, we, we can, man, we could, we, we could talk about that all day long, and that's important. And we believe that that is a, an evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues, man, seek God. Seek God. Seek God. Seek God. Show him that you desire all the things that he has for you. And I promise you it will happen. I can't tell you when exactly it's going to happen because I don't want to be like the disciple and the apostle that day. And you, I, It's not about details. It's about the source. Are you with me? 
It's about details and about source. And yes, listen, I know that there's people that abuse it in the Pentecostal realm. I know that. But how can we base our relationship with Jesus Christ and everything he wants to have with us? How can I base that off of some experience or distorted experience somebody else had? That's foolish of me. That's foolish of me because we're a church. What is a church? A church is people who are people. They're broken. They're sinners in need of a savior. Let's quit putting our trust in other people and start putting our trust in the Father. And you will experience all that he has for you. There's something else that took place in the Old Testament Pentecost. There was times in the Old Testament Pentecost. Remember, it's an agricultural festival. It has to do with harvest. There's a time in the Old Testament Pentecostal festivals that the weather would not cooperate. And when the weather did not cooperate, when there was a drought when there was bugs, when there was uh, contention, when there was wars, guess what happened? There was no Pentecost. Guess what happened? There was no Pentecost. Now, the winds, the adversity, the war, the drought, there was no Pentecost because the elements, that the atmosphere wouldn't, wasn't created to have a proper agricultural festival. How crazy it is that the New Testament church is so similar to the Old Testament church. How crazy it is sometimes when we say, well, you know what? The atmosphere just wasn't right. Well, guess what? When you rely on atmosphere, you're going to be disappointed. When you rely on a certain song on a platform, you're going to be disappointed. When you rely on lights, you're going to be disappointed. Are you following me? Because sometimes we get in droughts as individuals and as churches. We get in droughts. We get in funks. All of us know what I'm talking about. Even, even our staff, there's times throughout the years that we've gotten in that where there was, it just seems like a drought or there was a contention with a family member or we allowed the bugs to come in and, and raid our land. Well, guess what? In the Old Testament, there wasn't any Pentecost. And guess what? When that happens, there won't be Pentecost in you or your church. So we have to be perpetual. We have to desire the things of God every single day day. Amen. We have to celebrate Pentecost, not just one day, but every day, every day. Because why in the Old Testament, it was about a harvest. And guess what? In the New Testament, it's about a harvest. You are baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire because there's people out there that are dying and going to hell. And we need to take the message of Jesus Christ to them with boldness and power. I love Pentecost. One year ago, almost to today, Throw that first picture up there. One year ago today, and I'm closing. One year ago to get today, not today, this month, my boys went to youth camp with me. And it was exciting. And the reason it was exciting is because they were needing an experience. They weren't afraid of explosiveness. And they were expectant. But they couldn't tell you in detail what it was about in detail. Remember the details I told you sometimes we get so concerned about? But they were so focused on the source. They knew if it was from God, it was for them. And that it would empower them. So that night, it was the most beautiful night. Eli, and immediately, the power of God came upon him. He was 10 years old. And he began to speak in this heavenly language. Josiah, he was mad because Eli got the Holy Ghost first. That means he's second. And that means he's a loser. So right there, Eli, man, is just speaking a heavenly language. 
And the Holy Ghost is upon him because he was expecting. He couldn't explain to you anything about the book of Acts, but he knew it was from God and he knew it was for him. Pentecost came to that little boy that night. Go to the next picture. Then we get to little man. Probably 20, 30 minutes later, Ronnie Hoover, Chi Alpha missionary at the University of Arkansas, gets a hold of him. And Josiah had done been baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he was just having him a time, and Ronnie just joined him. And they begin to dance, and they begin to just shout. And the reason that I put these pictures up here is because if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a candidate. You could be seven, you could be eight, you could be 10, you could be 11, you could be 60, you could be 90. Pentecost is real and it's perpetual. It's not history. It is history, but it's today. And it's meant to move on and on and on and on until Jesus comes back. Never to be stopped. And we live in this world where we have allowed people to come in and say, well, that's just not of God. And that was just for them. And it's not for you. And we as Pentecostals sometimes kind of stand back and be like, I can't believe you'd say that. But we have no rebuttal back to them. And I think that's gone on for way too long. And now it's kind of creeped into the Pentecostal church a little bit. Where we have forgotten who we are. We are Pentecostal. We believe in the day of Pentecost. We believe that it's a day of harvest. We believe that there's people outside of our walls that are dying and going to a devil's hell that need a savior. And we, need, we know that for us to go out and win the lost and to go get the people that we need to be empowered with something because dadgummit, we can't do it on our own. And we believe that God sends this power upon us and, and, and fills us with this strength and this emboldenment and this power. And he gives us this prayer language that is so heavenly. And every time I speak in tongues, I feel empowered. There's not been one time that I was in my prayer closet speaking in tongues that I came out and go, man, I just don't feel nothing. And we've all been on them services where people come down the altar, man, and praise the worship's right, the lights are right, everybody's right, everybody's got the right clothes on, and they walk out and they're like, I just didn't feel nothing. Well, that's your fault. That's your fault. Because every time you immerse yourself in the Holy Spirit, whether it's in a great atmosphere or whether it's in a park or whether it's in your house, you will leave empowered and emboldened and ready to go do something for Jesus Christ. Because listen, we're living in a day and time. Man, it's just like, it's so repetitive. There's lots of people out there. We, the church, got to go save them. How do we do that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. There's no way. There's no way that I could do or my wife could do what we've done in the last three or four years. There's no way without the power of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. There's no way. But because I make it perpetual, because I make it a lifestyle, because it's a daily thing, and because I don't get so caught up in the details and I just focus on the source, it's fresh and new every day. It's fresh and new every day. We got to get back to Pentecost. And, 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 I, and I'm talking more than just four hour services in this building. We got to get back to Pentecost. When we get together with people at the park or at Walmart or out in the streets, before we go talk to somebody about Jesus and we start calling upon his name, we got to start doing that. We got to start getting back to our roots. Amen. Amen. Are you in agreement with that? This city needs us. You know, every time I preach, I'm going to talk about it. Because I'm an evangelist at heart. This city needs First Assembly of God. It needs a Pentecostal voice. 
But when you have a Pentecostal voice, that means you're empowered, that means you're emboldened, that means you're willing to talk and willing to experience everything that the Holy Ghost has for you. Yeah. Amen? And people are looking, I promise. They're looking for more than just sitting in a chair and listening to a couple songs and going to a life group and then having a dinner. Young are looking for it, old are looking for it, everybody in the middle are looking for it, I promise you. I deal with them all the time. They're looking for the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be willing to lead them in the right direction. The best way to lead somebody in the right direction is not you talking, but you living it out. Yes. My greatest sermon I ever preach is my life. It's not right now. It's my life. Follow me. Look at our family. Watch us. The power of the Holy Ghost. And God wants to use you just as much as he uses us. Amen. Stand to your feet this morning. I don't know what time it is, I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even know how to end this, but I would highly recommend that you study the feast, study the day of Pentecost and what it means. You know, none of us woke up this morning with the thought of having a Pentecost lunch planned or going to the park to celebrate Pentecost or giving the kids a Pentecostal toy, right, like we do all the other holidays. But we as Pentecostals should wake up on this day and be reminded, this is who we are. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the fire. We believe in the wind. We believe in the empowerment. We believe in the shouting. We believe in all that stuff that comes along with Pentecostals. Maybe not all, but most. So I encourage you, but I challenge you. Agitate the anointing. Fan the flame the gift of God that is within you. Senior saints, you guys have seen some things that some of us haven't seen. We want you to fan that flame so that we can see it. Yes. Amen? I don't want to hear about it anymore. I want to see it. Yeah. Come on, somebody. I don't want to read another book about it. I want to see it. Yeah. And guess what? We're seeing it. The orphans are being taken in. Hallelujah. The orphans are being discipled. Biological families are getting saved and baptized. People's lives are being changed. It's not at the pace that I'd like to see it, but it can be. If we as individuals will get back to who we are. And that's a Pentecostal fellowship. Amen. Father in heaven, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for what this day represents, God. It's not on the worldly calendar, God. It's not highlighted, but it's your calendar, and that's the only calendar that matters. And we're reminded, Father God, of what Pentecost is and was and is still going to continue to be. And Father, as the church, as the apostles and the disciples that you spoke of, and you said, wait, wait until I empower you, then, then you're going to be ready for the work. God, I pray that we do that. And I pray that all of us as individuals would seek and desire all that you have for us, Lord Jesus. Father, you're good and you're faithful. And you're merciful, Lord Jesus. And God, I just pray for each person in this place. God, I pray first and foremost for anyone in here under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. God, today can be that day, sir. Today can be that day, ma'am. Nobody loves you more than Jesus Christ. And today, if you ask him, 
into your heart as your Lord and Savior. He'll change your life. So I pray for you today. And if that's you, that's all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ Jesus is Lord and he died for you and you'll be saved. But God, I pray for the believers in the house today. God, I pray for those believers, Lord, that they might have had an experience, Lord God, but it's been a while. The perpetual style of Pentecost is not there. It's kind of a once a year, once every five years kind of deal. I pray for them today in the name of Jesus that they would see it as a daily holiday, God. They would see it as who they are, Father God. I pray for those that have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would pour your spirit out upon them, whether it be in a room, a car, a restaurant, at Walmart, wherever it's at, God. It doesn't necessarily have to be here. God, I pray you pour out your spirit upon them, Lord, and they ask and they desire for that experience, Lord. We love you so much, and we thank you, Lord, for an opportunity that you give us to come into this house and to worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, God, God I pray that you would empower us to go. Go reach this city, Lord, that is dying. Go reach this city, Lord, that is hurting and just waiting for somebody to come to them with power and with strength and to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray for every man, woman, and child that is in this city that's hurting right now. God, we send the Holy Spirit. God, as we know that you can, we don't need to be there. God, we send it right now in the name of Jesus. God, begin to move throughout houses right now. Begin to move throughout drug houses right now, God. I need somebody to join with me in prayer. Lord, I pray, Father, I send that word right now, God, in the name of Jesus for that person that's hurting themselves. I pray, God, for that person that's hurting somebody else, Lord God. Let them see, Father God, that you have something for them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for those babies and those kids, God, that are in homes right now, God, that are unsafe. Father, I send a word, Lord, by your spirit, God, that you would empower that two-year-old little girl, that you would empower that seven-year-old little boy. God, that you would empower them with the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we lift up our city, God. And we pray, Father God, that you would pour your spirit out upon Heber Springs in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. And use this church any way, God, any way that we can be, Father God, of help. Use us. Use us, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. Go with these faithful men and women of this church family. God, I pray that everything we do today would bring you glory. God, I pray that when we leave this place, when we walk out of this building, we know that we're changed, not because of a man's words, but because of your word. We celebrate Pentecost today, Lord. We give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're in agreement with that, put your hands together.